We're now going to have our Bible reading, which is Philippians 3, 12 to 21. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way, and if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Therein is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. All right, well, good to see you guys. Good morning. Um, uh, good morning, Chris. That's good. <laughs> Feels like I'm in school. No, 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 no. Not at school. Um, good to, good to uh, be with you this morning. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Chris. Um, spend a lot of my time focusing on the youth, but um, do some other things Pop that there. Uh, around the place too. Uh, it's good to be with you. I'm excited to be continuing in our series in the book of Philippians. Um, I was just chatting to John Count this morning, and we've just been saying how we've been loving going through our Philippians in sermons and in growth groups. Um, it's been really good. Um, so I hope you're excited. Um, so I'm just going to pray, um, and then we're going to dive straight in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just uh, pray for this morning. Um, Father, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure what sort of weeks everyone's had. Um, some of us might be feeling pretty excited that uh, the year is coming to an end. For others, um, getting out of bed is tricky. We're feeling weary and tired. Father, wherever we're at this morning, would you, would you comfort us? But Father, would you also shake us up and would you fix our gaze on Jesus? And I pray that you do all these things for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Um, I've said a couple of times here that I can get a little bit competitive. It probably comes out more um, at youth and things like that. But I think I got that from my dad. And my dad on the surface is pretty cool, calm and collected, but inside there's this like competitive monster just waiting to burst out. Not really a monster, but you can tell even if he's just playing Monopoly, his tongue is sticking out. And when he starts to win, he just starts getting this skip in his step. And it's like, Dad, it's just Monopoly. Just breathe. Um, there was one occasion where, where this happened when I was in year six. Um, it was a carnival day and... You know, there's things like long jump and high jump and all the sprinting and long distance. And at the end of the day, they had this special event, the father and son three-legged race. And of course, Dad saw that and his eyes just lit up and he's just thinking, we have got to be there. And I'm like, okay. And so we, we go and we tie our legs together. We go to the starting line. 
Um, they count down, three, two, one, the gun goes off, dad bolts, I've never seen him bolt that quick in my life, and I'm like attached to him, so I'm sort of going, and um, in a second, the race is done, it's all over, I'm sort of a little bit like, what just happened? Uh, but then someone hands me a ribbon, and um, the ribbon said first place, and I'm thinking, oh, sweet, that's pretty good, I was not expecting that at all. Um, I was excited, but um, I think Dad was just a little bit more excited than me. He was pumped. Um, why do I share this? Well, often in the Bible, the Bible describes the Christian life being like a race. Um, and I think Paul unpacks that a little bit here for us, and we're going to dive into Philippians 3. Um, a little bit of background, I'm sure you're all pretty aware, but Paul is the author. Um, he's writing to a church there in Philippi. Um, he's not writing from a hotel, he's writing from prison. It's tough and he's writing to these guys, but it's a church that he really loves. He says that you are my joy and my crown and I thank God whenever I pray for you. So he's, he's writing from prison, he's writing to these people that he loves. Um, and we've been seeing lots of different things that he's been talking about in Philippians. But the first thing I want to touch on this morning is that Paul is saying when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to this race that we're running... It involves effort. Um, let's read from verse 12. Uh, he says this, Not that I've already obtained, not that, not that I have already reached the goal. What is this goal? Well, it's heaven. It's knowing Christ fully, completely. Not that I've already reached the goal or that I'm already fully mature. In other words, that I'm perfect. I'm made fully like Christ. That hasn't happened yet, but I make every effort to take hold of it, that idea of knowing Jesus fully and that heavenward call. Now, some of you, perhaps when you read that for the first time, you took a step back and think, well, hang on, what are, you talking, what are you talking about? What are you talking about effort? I mean, aren't we saved by grace alone? And I would say yes, and Paul would say yes. Ephesians 2 says we are saved by grace alone. Is it not by our works? Well, yes, yeah, so Paul says that in Ephesians 2, we're saved by grace and not by our works. And so what's all this talk about effort? Well, in the Christian life, as we're running this race, there is effort. There's effort when it comes to seeking out Jesus and seeking him out through his word. There's effort when it comes to prayer. There's effort when it comes to actually confessing our sin and repenting of our sin. There's effort when it comes to serving uh, here serving the lost and serving at, here at church. There's effort that is, I guess, that comes to meeting with God's people. There is effort. But there's something really important and key that Paul wants to tell us is that, yes, there is our effort, but there's also God's effort. And we've had this tension a couple of times in Philippians, but it's going to come up again um, a little bit later. And he says this, not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it. Why? Because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. What a verse to hold on to. See, in that three-legged race, I was trying my hardest and I'm pumping my legs like nothing else. Um, but really, the, the reason I got that ribbon at the end wasn't because of my brilliance. 
wasn't because I was quicker than all the other dads and their kids. It was, it was my dad. It was my dad's effort. He's the one that pretty much dragged me to the finish line. I'm putting in effort, but he's the one that got me there. The only reason that we won is because my leg was bound and attached to his. And like at the end of the race, I could go and boast to my friends and I could say, yeah, look at my ribbon, look how good I am. But really, I've got no reason to boast. It's, it's dad's ribbon. And that's what Paul wants us to see. He wants us to put in effort. He wants us to press ahead, knowing that it's actually Christ that's pressed our names into the Lamb's book of life. He wants us to make effort in the Christian life, knowing that it's Christ's effort that saves us. He wants us to pursue Jesus knowing that, well, he pursued us to bring us home. And he wants us to run. He wants us to run with everything knowing that Christ actually ran to the cross and he finished the work to bring us home. See, sometimes we think when it comes to the Christian life, because we're saved by grace alone, we can just sit back and kind of put our feet up and just take it easy. But Paul's saying, no, no, no. When we truly understand what Christ has done for us, that actually frees us to run well, to press on, to keep charging, to keep going. And so I pray that we'd actually do that here, that as we reflect on the Christ that has taken hold of us, that we would run well, knowing who we're bound to, knowing who stands beside us, the one who's going to give us the victory and has given us the victory, the promise of heaven. So that's the first thing, effort. But the second thing is Paul, and this is kind of his big big focus of this chapter, is looking at the focus in the Christian life. He goes on and he says this. He says, but one thing I do, verse 13, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus see the Christian life it isn't a sprint it's a marathon it's a long obedience in the same direction but here Paul is saying what's the focus in the Christian life it's to forget what's behind firstly see it would be really strange if in that three-legged race if I just went to dad and said hey dad Look at that grass we just ran over. Isn't it great? Can I just go sit in the grass and go pick it up and go collect the grass? He would think, what sort of child have I raised? Like, he's just lost the plot. I mean, it would seem strange. You don't do that. You don't look behind when you're running a race. You don't look back to collect the grass. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, you're in a race. Don't look behind. But he actually takes one step further, I think. And as he goes on in this chapter, he says something that he's actually quite emotional about. He's actually quite stirred up about. And he's saying, there actually are some people that they're not just looking behind, that they've stopped running. They're not in the race. And he says this in verse 18. But I've often told you, and now say again with tears, that many, not some, many, live as enemies of the cross of Christ. You can see he's upset. But what does it mean? 
What does it mean to live as an enemy of the cross of Christ? It's all well and good to say that, yes, I say with tears that many are living opposed to Jesus. But what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, he spells it out super, super clearly for us. He talks about their end, their God and their glory. Their end. Their end isn't a Hollywood ending with a montage with nice music in the background and birds chirping. No, he says, if you're an enemy of Jesus, your end is destruction. Your God isn't Jesus. Your God is your stomach, which translated that could just be your appetite, your sensual pleasures. In other words, those people, their lives are centered around whatever feels good. If it feels good, I'll do it. And so I'll center my life around a certain job or a certain status, a certain relationship. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. It's what they're taking their cues from. And their glory, in other words, the biggest round of applause they're going to get at the end of the day is their shame. You can see why Paul's in tears about this. It's not good. It's not good. And he sums all this up by saying they are focused on earthly things. Things that aren't going to last. Like grass. Like a sandcastle that just crumbles. See, the Bible says that our life on earth, it is fleeting. It does come and go. Uh, Job says that our days are swift as a runner. Psalm 39 says that our days are like a few hands, hand breaths. And Psalm 144 says man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow, like our time here on earth is fleeting and quick. And I just want to ask, what are you doing with those days? Maybe you're sitting here and you're in the race, but you're getting distracted and you've been looking behind and you've been tempted and lured by some of the grass that is behind you. And you're tempted to be centering your lives around things that aren't going to last. They're going to perish and spoil and fade. And if that's you, let me urge you to make every effort to forget what is behind. To not center your lives around those things. But there may be some of you who, you're not in the race. And you're actually living as an enemy of Jesus. And let me tell you, if that is you here this morning, there is good news on offer. Because Jesus came to earth to make his enemies his friends. See, he came to earth out of love to die the death we deserved. See, for being an enemy, we deserve destruction and shame. And yet Jesus took both of those things on the cross for us, so if we trust in him, we who are his enemy can be made his friend. That's on offer for you this morning. If you were to come to him and trust in him. In the Christian life, as we run this race, Paul says, forget what's behind. That, that's not your focus. But what is your focus? Well, he goes on. He says, one thing I do. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, but reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. A biblical commentator, a guy called Hansen, said this. I think he said it pretty well. He said, Paul is saying that we're all like runners in this Christian life. 
And Paul, his body is bent forward. His hand is outstretched towards the goal and his eyes are fastened upon it. See, as I was running with dad in that three-legged race, there's not too much you can think about when you're running. Like I'm thinking about, am I going to like, how are we going to go? What are the people doing beside me? But really, when you're running, all you're thinking about is the finish line, is the goal, where you're headed. And that's what Paul wants us to do as we follow Jesus. See, our goal is Christ. Our goal is knowing him fully in heaven. And our goal is helping others come with us, pointing others to it. I pray that that would be the case. That's why Paul says to the church that if you're in Jesus, if you've trusted in him, this is you. Verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. It's going to be a physical hope. How good's that? Uh, but the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. It's good news, guys. If you're in Jesus, you've been, you're not an enemy, you're a friend, and you are a citizen of heaven. Which means we don't have time to be centering our lives around things that will crumble and, and fade. But we're foreigners. We're citizens of something better, of something to come. I pray that we'd know that. I pray that we'd know that something better is in store. Because I've got a question I want to ask, and I want you to think deeply about it. Um, would you honestly say that you long for heaven? Do you think? Because I think on the surface we might say, yes, yes, of course, like, of course I do. But deep down, I think we think, oh, but I've got a few more things I'd like to do. <laughs> a few more things I'd like to tick off the bucket list. I think we're a little bit too easily pleased, and I think sometimes, I'm, me included, this is me, we get too comfortable and try to make heaven here on earth. And yet my prayer has been what Paul says in verse 20, that we would eagerly wait for our Savior. In other words, that we would actually be homesick. We wouldn't be setting up shop here, but we'd be longing and yearning for that kingdom to come. And we'd be desperate for others to come with us. That's my prayer. We'd be eagerly waiting We'd be longing, we'd be marvelling, we'd be pressing on in that. And so what I want to do to finish up is, um, is I want to read uh, a few different passages from the Bible, from Scripture, that I pray would actually stir our hearts, stir our affections, set them ablaze, and get us yearning for heaven. But it wouldn't just do that. I pray that as I read these passages and as we chat at morning tea and through the week, that we would share in Paul's tears for the lost. And we would be desperate for them to come and know Jesus forever like us too. So let me read some of these great passages. Hebrews 11 verse 10, the sure city. We can look forward to a city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Isaiah 25, the glorious feast. The Lord of hosts will prepare a feast for all the peoples on this mountain, a feast of aged wine, choice meat, finely aged wine. On this mountain, he will destroy the burial shroud, the shroud over all the peoples, the sheet covering all the nations. He will also destroy death forever. 
Revelation 7, under the shepherd's care. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 1 Timothy 4, the reserved crown. I've finished the race, I've kept the faith, and there reserved for me in the future is a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, but not only to me, but all who have longed for his appearing. Revelation 22, face to face, and they will see his face, the face of Jesus. And Philippians 3, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our goal is better than any other goal this world has to offer. Our goal is glorious. Eternity without saviour. I pray we would know that, we'd be excited about that. And I pray that as we think about our goal, would we make effort knowing that Jesus holds us and he's, he's, he's the one that's going to bring us there, but we would make effort and we would run this race well, not looking back but leaning forward, eyes on the goal, but seeking to point others to it, seeking to gather others to it. And knowing that we only get there through Jesus, the one who makes us clean, the one who makes his enemies his friends. Amen.